Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Imagine a castle in a walled city with cobblestone streets. Now picture these streets lined with pubs and cafes and parks and flowers. You're probably thinking of a location in Europe. What if you could find a similar experience in North America? One of the world's top destinations offers four seasons of activities, spring blooms that attract global photographers, summer music and food festivals, fall foliage set against old world architecture, and an ice hotel and winter wonderlands for the snow enthusiasts. Where is it? Quebec City, Canada, of course. One of the safest locations on earth, Quebec City is a wonderfully eclectic collision of French, British, and indigenous food, culture, and hospitality. Join us as we talk to Ken Hall, general manager of the most photographed hotel in the world, the Fairmont Le Chateau Frontenac. Its romantic old world appearance conjures images of medieval royalty. And Ken will share with us what we need to know for a memorable visit to the City of Saints. We will also speak with Steve Barakat, an award-winning composer and pianist who tells the history and the story of the Fairmont Frontenac through music. Get inspired on today's episode of Destination Everywhere, Quebec City. Welcome, everyone, to Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil, along with my partner, Todd Bloodworth, and we are so excited to have you here today because we're talking about one of my favorite cities in North America and one that a lot of people actually don't know about because it is a little far out of the way, but one that has a lot of history and a lot of beautiful, beautiful spaces, and it is Quebec City. And we actually just got back from a recent trip there, so we've got all these great ideas and all these for bucket list ideas and destinations to uh, see while you're there. But Todd, what was your overall thought about Quebec City when we were there? No, you know what? I thought it was amazing. We had heard about it for so long from people that kind of make the trip. And it's really, it's not that far, but you definitely have to be in the right area. Like coming from the Northeast, you got Quebec borders, what, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Does it border Maine or is that? It does. It does. So, you know, if you're up in that area near the border, it kind of makes a lot of sense for you to just take the drive and go check it out. It is such a European feel when you're inside the walled city, which is the old part of Quebec City. And it's absolutely amazing. It's walkable. It's friendly. There's street performers. It's just, it was absolutely beautiful. We went in, what, summer, August, September, and it couldn't have been nicer. The weather was perfect. Yeah. So if you're planning a trip to Montreal, it's about two and a half hour trip to the Northeast from there. So it's actually a pretty easy jaunt with a straight freeway from city to city. And it has a strong, strong French influence, everything from the food to the culture to the look and feel of the place. I know that we're going to talk a little bit later about all the different movies that have been filmed in this city, in the old city. It's because it looks like an old historic European European city and in so many ways. I mean, it's on a river. The city looks over a, a huge valley because it was made for fortification. So there's all these great things that are very similar to it. But at the same time, it's in Canada very different and also very easy to get to. So from that perspective, I highly recommend a trip there. I know we had so much fun, not only doing the old city, but just Quebec City as a whole, which is a, is a modern town as well and kind of sprawls out from the city center. There's so much to do from arts to culture to outdoor activities galore. One of the things that we did is took the family mountain climbing and they have a couple of great state parks right there that you can do that in. It's a lot of fun. Well, we say, yeah, we went mountain climbing and, and how old were the kids? The kids were, what, eight? And, yep. you know, it was a nail biter for me as an adult, but these kids were doing these, these amazing climbs and no fear, absolutely no fear. And we also went a little further out and did some whale watching, which was amazing. Oh, was we incredible. saw so many whales 
the water was just gorgeous. It was chilly, but they deck you out in these big outfits and you're you're on these boats. And it was just really amazing to kind of see these. It was not just one type of whale. It was quite a few different breeds. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, right. So at the mouth of the St. Lawrence right there, as it hits the Atlantic Ocean, it's one of the largest breeding grounds for humpback whales. And we saw dozens of whales over the course of an afternoon. It was fun. One thing I'm really excited about is to actually spend a lot of time talking about kind of the one of the most famous buildings in the world, but definitely the most famous building in Quebec, which is the Hotel Frontenac, which is a castle-looking building that was built for the railroads to bring tourists to that city. And it has really, really stood the test of time. Just a beautiful, beautiful building. Well, and we also got a couple of special guests. We've got Ken Hall, who was the general manager of that hotel, the Fairmont, it's the Le Chateau Frontenac. And then we also have Steve Barricat, who is a an amazing writer, performer. So I'm really looking forward to listening to him and get his perspective. He is actually uh, from Quebec City. So as somebody who lives there, grew up there, his perspective is going to be great to hear. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the most famous musicians in the province of Quebec and has been around the world and has been viewed millions and millions of time on all sorts of media and actually wrote a special song for the hotel for its anniversary but I'll also have some great music that he's been producing since he was a kid. Yeah, he's got basically an anthem for fall in Quebec, which you're going to hear a little bit more about that, as well as the anthem for the Chateau Frontenac, which is really, it's a really powerful piece. And if you go online and you Google it and listen to it, it's the entire orchestra and you hear the strings and you just hear all of the different instruments. And it's, it's really, really a moving piece. I think you'll enjoy it. Yep. So Quebec City is where we are and it's a really special place. So we will be right back with our first guest, Ken Hall, the general manager of the Fairmont Le Chateau Frontenac. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to this edition of Destination Everywhere. We are here with our next guest, Ken Hall. And Ken is the general manager of the Fairmont, the Le Chateau Frontenac. So welcome. How are you, Ken? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. You know, obviously this hotel is iconic on on so many levels, but before we get into the hotel specifically, tell us a little bit about your background in hospitality and hotels. Well, actually, I started as a chef when I was a teenager and I fell in love with the industry. And growing up, I had the opportunity to travel with my family all over the world. So I really fell in love with the hotel industry and tourism in general. So I have been with Fairmont and Accor now for 26 years at seven different properties. And what, what are some of those properties that you've been with? Well, actually, I began out in the Canadian Rockies at Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, and I moved from there to the Royal York in Toronto, from Toronto here to Quebec City for five years in the early 2000s. And then I moved to Bermuda. I worked at the Fairmont Southampton in Bermuda, I did a short stint in Japan at the uh, Fujia Hotel chain. Well, it was a partner hotel of uh, Fairmont. And I also worked at Fairmont Tremblant, Fairmont the Queen Elizabeth in Montreal. And I did four years in Chicago, which was a great experience as well. And, and within the hotels, what are some of the roles that you've played? Obviously, now you're general manager of, I don't know if you would call this the flagship Fairmont, but it is definitely an amazing one. But what were some of your roles inside the hotels? Absolutely. Well, I've I've worked at mostly in food and beverage. I did some different rooms positions throughout, but mostly operations positions, food and beverage, working as a restaurant manager and then opening restaurants. We I work conference services and catering. I manage large conventions and, and special events and a little bit in sales as well. So many different departments. I was able to experience as many departments as possible and get to know the different areas of the hotel, which really helped me become a general manager. Regarding this specific property, it's quite big. And the ballroom space, you know, I see it behind you. If For those of you that, that might be watching it on our website, is this one of the ballrooms that you're sitting in right now? Actually, yes, I'm here in the Salon Rose. And this is a specifically a very important meeting room in history or special event space. We do a lot of weddings in this room and we have a lot of high-level meetings. This is actually the room where Churchill and Roosevelt planned the Battle of Normandy back in 1943 and 1944. So the Quebec conferences... And in that room, they were basically laying a post-war blueprint for the world, essentially. So that's pretty dynamic. What are some of the other historic events that have happened in and around the property? Well, this city is such an incredible city. It's it's kind of a, it's a walled city. It's one of the oldest cities in North America, if not the oldest. 
and it's over 412 years old. So it's a walled city. And we do have a lot of global summits, government meetings, because it's really protected. And we do have a lot of meetings from all over Canada, a lot of associations. We have a lot of corporate groups that come in for incentive programs from all over the world, and especially the United States. And it's also very walkable. I mean, you know, once you go out of the hotel, you're right there. And you go out and you see street performers and there's bars and restaurants. And right next to it, I remember there's a field. They were doing a music festival when we were there. I think it would, it had just ended or it was just about to start. I, I can't remember. And there was, there was just so much going on. But inside the hotel proper, you guys have a restaurant and it's the Champlain restaurant. And the chef there is Chef Stefan Modat, correct? Yes. So tell us a little bit about the restaurant and what guests can kind of expect with the cuisine. Well, the Champlain is really the best, one of the best restaurants in Canada, if not North America. Chef uh, Stéphane Maudot is from the south of France. He's been with us for almost 10 years now. And he won an award last year for being the best chef in, in Quebec, in the province. Absolutely fantastic. Our mission is really sustainable food, local food. Stéphane has two cookbooks out. He really enjoys sort of wild game, but right now we're promoting fish. We have, we've opened a cav, private caviar room so guests can experience local caviar from Quebec. And so we're really, really thrilled to Champlain. And Stéphane has a background with Michelin star restaurants. So people will actually fly in from New York, Boston, just to have dinner in the restaurant. So Ken, tell us a little bit about this private rooftop garden that actually supplies honey to not only the restaurants, but also to the bars. We have a rooftop garden here at the hotel. We also have four different bee farms. So we have actually 70,000 bees living on the roof. Every year we are able to produce about 600 pounds of honey. And some of the honey was actually used in a local vodka. It's called Pure Vodka. It won in San Francisco, best vodka in the world. It's a phenomenal vodka. One of the most striking things about this hotel is when you're driving up to it, it's impossible to miss. It is such a, a magnificent piece of architecture. And we recently did an interview with the editor-in-chief of National Geographic magazine, and we were talking about pictures and the importance of pictures. And then we also had a segment, and so we did our little research, and we said, we're going to find out the most photographed hotels. And at the top of the list is your property. So with that, you know, and just in terms of managing the interior of the hotel, you've got another task. You've got to manage and take care of the exterior of the hotel because that's the first impression. What kind of challenges do you have with that? Well, it's an interesting question. It's really almost a million square feet. It's a castle that's been built over the last 125 years. It's in beautiful condition. The owners have invested millions of dollars over the past five years, bringing it and restoring the building. So the outside is in pristine condition. The outside of the property is actually fully illuminated in the evening. It's, it's just spectacular. We have over, I think, 8,000 photos a week that are on the internet. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's quite unbelievable. So a lot of, you see a lot of drones around, uh, around the area. But inside the building, we have 12 kilometers. I guess that would probably be about seven, eight miles of hallways. So there is a lot of space but it's just absolutely beautiful and it's taken care of extremely well by our, we have 700 colleagues. How many rooms are, are there? We have 610 rooms and suites. I was just going to ask, what is the premier suite? And tell us a little bit about it. Our listeners love to know what the creme de la creme is. We've got eight large suites, which are named after famous people. And we've got the Churchill suite, which is the most spectacular suite overlooking the Citadel and the Plains of Abraham. We've also got the Roosevelt Suite, which is in a private tower with its own private elevator. You've got 15 rooms connected to the suite. Then we have the Celine Dion Suite. Uh, Celine Dion was discovered here in our ballroom. Was she really? Yes, yes. Well, I mean, she was already producing albums and she was already famous in Quebec, but she performed here on the stage in the ballroom and uh, during a Sony Music Conference and uh, signed her first deal here at the hotel. Wow. That's amazing. Now, can I ask you a little bit about the activities? Obviously, you've lived there for a while. And when a group comes in or a family comes in, what are some of the great extracurricular activities? I know you have the St. Lawrence River running right near it. And then, you know, you just leave, once you leave Quebec City, there's just vast, beautiful, natural beauty. What are some of the most exciting things that people who come and visit your hotel like to do outside the walls of it? 
Well, that's a great question. I mean, how Quebec was discovered. So the river, as you mentioned, there's there's amazing cruises on the river from that you can just take from here. You can go to Charlevoix, which is about an hour from here. There's whale watching. We have helicopter tours that take you over the Laurentian Mountains here. And, and there's incredible golf courses, spas, museums, 200 plus restaurants, the old city. So that's an unbelievable sort of urban resort of everything you could imagine. And it's in pristine condition. So it's really a bucket list destination. Without a doubt. Now, when people walk into the lobby, they will probably see a dog by the concierge. And can you tell us a little bit about Daphne and how she came to be? That's a good question. In a lot of Fairmont hotels, we all have a hotel dog. And Daphne has been here for probably about five years. And she's a Bernese mountain dog and sits in our lobby. And she was part of the Mira program, which is a program that's part of a foundation for seeing eye dogs. And in fact, Daphne welcomes our guests when the guests arrive and guests can take Daphne for a walk. We're right on Cape Diamond, which is called Cap Diama. So there's these beautiful outdoor terraces that you can walk Daphne up along and right along the cliffs here in old Quebec. So she's just part of the family and she's ready for retirement pretty soon. <laughs> Are you interviewing new dogs? <laughs> we are. Yeah, she's done a great job. Yeah, and, so, and we should say the Fairmont is a pet-friendly property, which was great because we were traveling with our dogs and they could not have been more comfortable. And the staff was so great just walking in and out of the lobby. They always had bags for us. So thank you for that service because we really appreciated it. And then I want to talk also a little bit more about things to do outside and basically some of your favorite recommendations of things to do outside. When you're not working, what do you do? Which, and, and these days, I'm sure you're working all the time. But what do you enjoy doing around the city? Well, with the family, I mean, we like to go biking because right down in the, in the old city here, there's these beautiful bike paths on Champlain Boulevard. And they've really, over the past five years, have just completely rebuilt the entire kind of coastline here along the St. Lawrence River. So we love biking. We love walking around the old city. It's also winter wonderland here. So in the winter, you can go cross-country skiing. We, there's a 100-year-old a slide right here beside the chateau. So we can come downtown and in the wintertime. And the slide actually goes 60 kilometers an hour. So the kids love it. Ken, is there a festival in the winter in Quebec City? That's right. It's the Winter Carnival, the Quebec Winter Carnival. It's the largest winter carnival in the world. Yeah, it's two weeks every February. There's parades. There's an ice castle. The Ice Hotel here in Quebec City is something that is incredible thing to see. They've built also like a huge snow fort right across from the Parliament buildings. And it's everything is walkable. So from anywhere in the old city, you can walk and you can do outdoor activities. They have a canoe race on the ice that goes from one side of the river to the other. There's over 60 teams that race in the ice water. So they have a number of kind of extreme sports and they have also great nightlife and restaurants and activities for families. So what is your favorite restaurant outside of the hotel? Outside of the hotel, well, I would have to say we like to go down to the old port here in the old city and we, we like to go to a place called Tavern Louise. It's a great sort of relaxed environment. Uh, place to get a pint and uh, have some good food. Absolutely. But you can just stroll through the old city here and there's so many great restaurants. You could have, you know, classic French onion soup or fondue or great Italian food, uh, French cuisine. I mean, it's, it's non unstoppable culinary uh, dream here. Yeah. And, I remember when we were there, we had a, a wonderful fondue dinner. It was a, a really in a classic little small restaurant, really well done. And the Quebecians certainly know their cheeses. Absolutely. So what season would you say is the best season to be there? I mean, we just talked about winter and the fun things you can do in the winter. Summer, I'm sure that's when everybody's out and about, right? You know, you've got such a narrow window sometimes up there to be outside. Do you have a favorite? I love summer as well. You know, summer is just spectacular here. All of the outdoor activities that you can do, it's, it's like an urban resort and you have unlimited walkable city. It's because it's so walkable. It's such a spectacular place to be. But I mean, even in the fall, because of the fall colors right now, it's the trees are orange and red. It's just spectacular from September until November 1st. So coming up, what are some interesting ideas and plans that you guys are doing for upcoming groups over the next few years? Currently, we're, we're watching all sort of how can we use technology differently? How can we do sort of hybrid type events? Also, we, we have a huge number of incentive programs that come to Quebec City because of the resort type atmosphere and the history and everything. 
So uh, we're looking at doing sort of individual smaller programs that are much more high end and, you know, using between Quebec City and the Charlevoix region, uh, guests can actually have two experiences on the river uh, with boats and whale watching. And we're working on so many different things and groups really want to have more experiences in the destination than just meetings. So this city is, is perfect for that type of thing. Well, wonderful. Well, we're going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions if you're ready. Did you get the questions? Are you prepared? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. Wonderful. So our first question is, have you ever completed anything off of your bucket list? If so, what was it? Well, my bucket list, one of the things would be definitely in Hawaii, uh, doing the helicopter tour over the waterfalls on the big island. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Well, you know, that's a good question because traveling a lot, I would probably have to say maybe Singapore or somewhere in Asia where you could really experience a new, completely new different culture and be able to travel in that region. That's just an area of the world that I haven't spent enough time in. Absolutely. So when you're packing for a trip, what is something that you pack that might surprise people? Yeah, I don't know if it would surprise people, but I'm a tech guy. I have to have a watch for running, a watch for golf, a watch, you know, for going out. I have an iPad, a, you know, iPhone. I have everything. Like I have a whole tech section. So uh, so you're the one holding everybody up at TSA as you unload everything from your bags. That's me. That's me, exactly. <laughs> and this is one I like to ask people on the hotel side. What is like the oddest request that you've received from a hotel guest? And could you make it happen? <laughs> The oddest request we've received. Well, I've had a few uh, strange requests, but we've had some great answers. You'd be shocked. <laughs> well, you probably wouldn't be shocked, but our listeners <laughs> tend to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had a famous celebrity once ask for um, eyelash glue, which I had to find in 15 minutes because she was going on to a photo shoot. Said, and you found it. Shoes for a president. You know, just things like that just pop up, and it's usually uh, you have 10 minutes to turn it around. So uh, I've got it. A whole number of uh, examples, but it's always a good challenge and we always find a solution. That's good. That's good. We always say poor planning on your part always is an emergency on my part, right? And then within Quebec, what is your most memorable experience? Uh, my mem most memorable experience here would be just being around, you know, when we did the Summit of the Americas in uh, early 2000s, 2003. So I got to meet 26 world leaders and just being around uh, that sort of environment was just a great experience. And and really working with the team here has been a pleasure over the past two years. We've got a phenomenal group and everyone's so dedicated and passionate. So it's a real pleasure working in the castle and also this, this amazing destination. Well, it's like, great. You call, you call, it's great that you call it the castle. Yes. Wait, I, that, I was going to say, was it that, originally built as a castle? Well, no, it was originally built as a hotel, actually. So it's the chateau has always been a hotel. It has. Okay. We were speaking about that earlier, and yeah, we didn't know if it was a, you know a vision you know built for a private family or it looks like a university at some point, but it's definitely a castle. So, Ken, we really want to thank you for your time. Can if people want to learn more about the property on social media website, where should they go? Well, they can go to fairmont.com forward slash Frontenac. They can check us out on our Instagram, Fairmont Frontenac. They can find us um, lots of pictures of us online. And we should, we'd also like to tell our guests that. Ken has given away a two-night stay in a suite with breakfast to one of our listeners. So if you haven't already, please go in and register and sign up and subscribe to the podcast. So again, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with this magnificent property. And we hope to get back up there soon and see you guys. Thank you very much, Todd and Andy. It's a pleasure talking to you and look forward to seeing you next time you're in Quebec City. Absolutely. Thank you. At AMI, we're passionate about meeting connections that change lives. For over 20 years, we have traveled our clients all over the globe, supporting their business goals and helping them stand apart. From hotel sourcing to audiovisual magic, we'll make your corporate meeting or event second to none. Go to AmericanMeetings.com to learn more. American Meetings, AMI, meeting planning perfected. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere, Quebec. And, you know, I want to thank again, Ken Hall, for telling us a little bit more about the Chateau Frontenac. What history? You know, he, he did such a great job kind of describing it and the history of it. But it's definitely just you got to go check it out. And if you haven't seen pictures, now you're going to notice them. You'll notice the name and you'll notice the photos, because now that you have a little bit of information, you know, it's like when they say you notice babies when you're pregnant, you know, you notice babies. So now you'll <laughs> notice the pictures of the Chateau. Uh, it's such a gorgeous building, too. 
But let's talk a little bit about some bucket list items in Quebec. There are so many great things to do. And like I said, we're going to focus on Quebec City. But again, you've got Quebec, you've got Montreal, which is also in Quebec. So let's just focus on Quebec City. And there's lots of different things to do. But obviously, the first thing we're going to talk about in terms of a bucket list item is in Petit Champlain. And that's inside the walled city. You go, you walk along cobblestone streets, and you're instantly transported into a European feel, which is absolutely wonderful. You know, and the streets are lined. They've got the cobblestone. They've got the boutique shops. They've got galleries and restaurants. And then in the winter, there's something that they do that's really cool. You can visit a local artisan and indulge in maple syrup lollipop making. And this is a great treat for the wintertime. And what they do is these artisans, they pour hot maple syrup over a bed of snow, and then guests roll roll a popsicle stick into the mixture. And then once it freezes, it becomes just a really great sweet treat. So with all the maple up in the area, this is just another way to enjoy it. So we definitely recommend doing that. If you're willing to go for a little bit of a ride, about 90 miles outside of town is a private garden called the Garden of the Four Winds in um, Port Salmon, Quebec. And it is done by a lifelong gardener who has actually built this amazing private garden of over 25 little rooms that are independent gardens. And I, I recently saw a documentary on this and I'm like, this has got to be on my bucket list. It's only opened up in the summertime for a few days. You had to get tickets ahead of time. But again, it's the gardens of the four winds, but they spread out over 20 acres, rolling lawns and just intricate boxwood hedges. And it's supposed to be one of the most beautiful gardens on the planet. So if you want a great afternoon and a day trip, make sure you go to the garden of the four winds in uh, Port Salmon, Quebec. And then you can also explore the Citadel de Quebec, which is it's a national historic site, and it currently serves as an active military base, one of Canada's first heritage conservation projects, and it was built by British troops in the 1800s. And in the summer, there's a daily changing of the guards, much like our Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in the United States. But it definitely is a big history buffs, you know, kind of goal to go check this place Absolutely. out. Absolutely. It's incredible. And it's right there. It's right. It's actually right down the hill from the Chateau Frontenac. So it's, yes. a, it's easily walking distance and something you can do in an hour or two. And it's right there on the St. Lord's. Um, another thing that we did while we were there is we rock climbed and there's lots of rock climbing. There's indoor gym rock climbing for when the weather's not so great. There's also ice climbing in the winter if you're brave enough. But in the summertime, there's rock climbing in a sh just a short drive right outside of Quebec City in state parks and also on private land. So Make sure that you look up some of these popular rock climbing sites. And it's for really for all ages. It can be for our kids. Did it. They were eight years old at the time and were completely fearless. But there's one called Montmorency Falls Park that you can look up, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was a little nerve wracking to tell you the truth, but what it was fun. fun. It tested me. It definitely pushed me to my limits in terms of my comfort zone. <laughs> if you know something about Canada as a whole, they totally take advantage of the summer months. And the next they recommendation do. we have, it's the largest outdoor music festival in downtown Quebec City. And you've got to forgive both myself and Andy if we mispronounce these French names. We are trying our best. So please don't take offense. But the Festival d'Ete de Quebec takes place every July in downtown. And it's got multiple stages. It's kind of set up all over town. The main stage is located in the Plains of Abraham, which is a big open space right next to the Frontenac, which is, it's just a wonderful, huge space. And they've had just great headliners. They've had The Weeknd, Chainsmokers, Dave Matthews Band, and the list goes on and on. So it is a well-known music festival, but it does happen in July of every year. So if you're in town, go check it out. Yeah. And something, speaking of something that happens every year is the Quebec Winter Carnival, which happens in Quebec City. And now this is something not to be missed. And obviously it does get cold that time of year in, in this area of Canada. So you want to make sure you're dressed for it. But the event itself is really a testament to the passion and love for the winter months. And it has everything from, they create beautiful ice palaces and there's, they take ice wines from the region and showcase those and then the hot chocolate for the kids. And really what it is, it's a celebration of winter. So it's just an incredible event. So we highly recommend it. It's the Quebec Winter Carnival and definitely stay at the Chateau Frontenac while you're there because you'll be right in the middle of everything. 
there's a venue that we want to touch base on. So if you're looking for just a great venue for a large-scale event, there is the Voltigas de Quebec Armory. And it's a French-inspired, neo-Gothic military building. And it's perfect for weddings, banquets, business meetings. You know, And so if you want that elegant, old Quebec feel, definitely just go check out the space. It's absolutely gorgeous. And then there's another one, Experience a Country Getaway on Ile de Orleans. Again, I'm sorry for the mispronunciations, but it's just on the north side of the city. And it's just a rural landscape. It's got villages, ancestral homes, artesian kiosks. But must stops are the Vineyard San Petronie, the Chocolate Factory, and a Strawberry Plantation. So definitely check it out. It's just north of the city. And if you want to get out and do something a little different and unique, go do it. All right, Todd, I know this one has been on our bucket list for years and we've never done it. And I know for a fact now that we can do it because it's in Quebec City, which is not far at all. So it's to stay in an ice hotel. So a lot of people actually travel all the way over to Finland and Sweden and Norway to do this. But who knew that there was a ice hotel 20 minutes north of Quebec City? So it's Hotel de Glace, which I believe is Glacier. And it's a hotel built of 500 tons of ice and 40,000 tons of snow. And it's, like I said, it's located just 20 minutes outside the city. And you can stay in the hotel, but if that's too cold for you, you can also get a guided tour of how the hotel is built and also construct your own glass of ice. So how much fun is that? And I'm going to think it's probably Hotel du Glacé. A Glacé, I think you're right. <laughs> but again, you know, we're just pushing the information. And then you can also visit a traditional sugar shack or... You know, if you're in the Northeast, they call them sugar houses, but you can visit the sugar shack in spring. And that is actually the time of year that the maple, the sugar water from the maple tree starts to run. And it's typically after the first thaw. So once things thaw out, the sugar starts to run from the maple trees and then they are collected in these sugar shacks. So you can actually go around. There's plenty of them all over Quebec, but many of them are open to the public. So you can go there not only, you know, watch the process if you want to, where they boil it and turn it into maple sugar, but, you know, you can go and many of them also sell treats. So they'll sell the maple syrup. You'll see maple candies, maple creams. If you can make it out of maple, yeah, right. you go there and you could bind it. It's a little bit of everything. And fresh maple syrup, there's nothing like it. If you taste it, it just tastes like a dessert and it's so good, but it's also so fresh And then when you look at something you might find in a store, you're kind of like, why am I buying this when I can get this? There's a cost difference, of course, but it's amazing. So definitely go check out a traditional sugar shack. Yeah, there's so much to eat and see. It really is amazing. So the last one is a view of landscapes via train. And they have the Charlevoix train that takes you between the St. Lawrence River and the mountains. And it runs right along there. And the excursion is actually great for businesses. So if you have a sales meeting or a business meeting, you can charter up to 380 people on this train, hire a guide, a caterer, and a musician, and have just a great afternoon. But explores the entire region of Quebec and Charlevoix, and it's just really majestic, rural, beautiful landscapes of both mountains, valleys, and the river. So definitely put that on your bucket list to do the Charlevoix train. Yeah, I got to say, you know, like train rides to me have always been a bucket list. And I believe there's one that goes across the whole of Canada, which is is something that is definitely on my bucket list. It's something I've always wanted to do where you're just in those classic cars and then you've got the side views of the countryside and the mountains. But this particular trade ride sounds absolutely amazing. So these are just a couple of things you can do. You can add to your bucket list, do a little research on each of these items or tell us about your own. But we think there's just so much to do. It's such a great place and it's got so much to offer our visitors. And speaking of someone who knows so much about the region, our next guest, please stay tuned. We're going to have award-winning composer and pianist Steve Barakat, who is going to talk about actually living in the walled city of Quebec City and all the great things that he and his family love to do. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere, Quebec. And we are here with a very special guest. He is an award-winning composer, pianist, music producer, and creative director. He's also a spokesperson for UNICEF Canada, and he actually wrote the Fairmont Frontenac Anthem. So, Steve, welcome. We have Steve Barakat with us. Hi. Nice to to be with you today. 
Hey, Steve, and, and we, we should say as well, you're also a local of Quebec City. I'm a proud Quebec City citizen, too. We obviously, we've spoken to the Fairmont Frontenac, and we talked about it being one of the most photographed, if not the most photographed hotel in the world. And you have views of it out your window that, you know, you get to see every day, which is absolutely wonderful. And you said, if, if, if our friends are watching on YouTube, you said it's uh, Todd's view, the one that is behind the Todd? Right, the one right exactly behind. the same. This is the angle I have every morning. Good That's for amazing. you. Yeah, That's with good. my breakfast, I have this view and I enjoy it every day. So you, you live in the old city then, the old town? Yes. I live in the old city. It's been uh, many years. I was born in Quebec City and actually I was born in the suburb. And then I would say 14 years ago, I moved to the old Quebec and... I can say my life changed, even though I travel a lot. I felt like living in old Quebec is like traveling. It's like being a tourist because the city has something special in, we live in different era. Absolutely. And it's like traveling like in time. I mean, it's like traveling into a new dimension and I really enjoy every day. Well, but- Especially my house as this historical, my house used to be one of the bunkers of Champlain, the founder wow. of Quebec. So oh, wow. the view on the river, he could use the house and the view to look at the river and watch the traffic. Because as you know, Quebec City is the narrow river. The meaning is narrow river. So they could control the traffic on the river. Oh, fantastic. So you, you said that you're, how old is your home there in the old town? It's more than 250 years. Wow. Yes, a bit older That's amazing. Than That's incredible. <laughs> and, I, and I would agree with you. The, the first time I ever went to Quebec City, it really feels like you're in a European old city, even though it is probably 400 years old, the, the town itself. So it's an incredible thing to do if you aren't able to get over to Europe and you want to experience that feel of an old European town. So, Steve, I want to talk first a little bit about you specifically, and then you know, I want to go into Quebec City and your experiences within, within the city. A little bit about your concert pianist, more than 500 live performances on five continents. You've been featured hundreds of TV programs and series Sports events, including the FIFA World Cup, you've sold over 5 million albums, which is amazing. If you go to your YouTube, you have over 100 million views. And how does a pianist get this much notoriety? And when did you start loving the piano? Well, it's, I would say, the dream of a boy. (laughs) I started at the age of five years old, surrounded by a family that were all music lovers I'm actually the only one who did a career as a composer and pianist on a professional level. But all my family, actually, I'm from Lebanese origin, born in Canada. They were all music lovers. So when I was at the early age, every time we've met a family for Christmas or at any moment, we were playing together. So I had the piano home and it started very naturally. And I was also out playing ice hockey as all Canadians. But I was also very, very passionate about music early age. And I grew up with very, very rich environment in terms of music. I started reading music before reading the alphabet. So for me, music was my first language and it's still my first language. So yes, it's a dream of a a little boy. And then step by step, I started to compose at the age of 13 and 14 and then record my first album and then slow by slow. I had more and more dreams and I I worked really hard, but also been very fortunate to be supported at the early age. So you you were actually a a child savant. I mean, you started that early and you actually started producing at that young of an age. You started actually writing your own music at the age of 13. Exactly. Uh, I was very early exposed. I, I won some contest music. So it's very interesting because I was looking a few days ago in the archives of we accumulate so much archives. And I can say that I don't remember my life without music. All my life, I've been uh, a musician. So it's a passion. It's a love story. Are you self-taught the piano or did your parents know how to read music? Did they know how to play the piano? How did you pick it up? I had a very strong academic background. I started with classical music for many years, more than 12 years. Then I switched to jazz music. I had a few teachers and masters in jazz. And then composing, and of course, a big part of it is self-thought as well. But I explored a lot of music genres, and it's a mix of everything. And traveling, of course, became part of my life at the early age of 21, 22. Actually, I remember first big trip was in in Los Angeles at the NAMM show in California uh, back to 1992. 
I was invited by uh, Roland Corporation in, in from Japan. And so early age, I traveled and I can say that traveling became probably one of my most important inspiration. And so you're essentially the male version, pianist version of a Celine Dion, you know, who also is from Quebec, started young, and it's just amazing. I see it as a big compliment. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> we love Celine. Steve, do you know how many countries you've been to around the world? I would say actually maybe 75 or something like this. I never calculated, but I traveled quite a lot. And I can say that I've been fortunate to discover countries that are very different because sometimes we travel a lot in, let's say, in the Western world. But I've been very fortunate to know the, the Far East world very early, including Japan and Korea and even Uzbekistan and Russia and the Eastern European countries. So I always said that when you travel and, and it, it's too similar, it's not interesting, as interesting as when you travel in a very, very special place like India, for example, where I performed a few times in, uh, in India. So yeah, I'm a traveler. I think it's the second passion after music and, of course, cooking as well. But this is uh, my French Lebanese uh, roots. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, there's another interesting fact I didn't know about you, but I, I did find out in 2006, you got married. Is that correct? Yes. To, uh, yes. Elena Grosheva, who is an Olympic silver medal winner from the 96 Olympics for gymnastics for Russia. She's silver because of the Americans. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. <laughs> but for somebody who travels as much as you do, how did you meet your wife? Well, my wife, the Canadian link we have, used to be a star of Cirque du Soleil. As you know, Cirque du Soleil is Canadian company. And after her Olympic journey, she became a star of Cirque du Soleil, a show called Alegria. So because she she had to come in Montreal because the, it's a Montreal-based company. So we, we've met because she had a link with Montreal and she was visiting Montreal on a regular basis. So our story started with Cirque du Soleil, actually. When I, we were dating, you know, at the, the beginning, she was uh, <laughs> she had a lot of <laughs> costumes around. <laughs> I was not sure at the beginning if I could recognize her when I was meeting with her, but it was okay. We ended up well. <laughs> That's a great story. Maybe we saw her in Miami. We saw Allegria in Miami. And so, okay, you started composing at four years old. And now I, I want to talk about, okay, your connections to Quebec and we're going to talk about the anthem in a minute for the Frontenac, but how do you transpose your life expressions into the music? So when you're doing the anthem for Frontenac, and it's autumn in Quebec, the landscape is one, but you also have another one for Frontenac, right? It's the official anthem that has already yes, it's been the out. official anthem of Chateau Frontenac. And by the way, the Chateau Frontenac became the first heritage building in the world to have its own anthem. Oh, wow. So it was a historical moment also for not only for the Frontenac, but for a heritage building world, if you want. Yeah. So if you're building an anthem for a structure, right, how do you do that? What's going through your mind? Well, the anthem is mostly the anthem of the stories of Chateau Frontenac, because, of course, you have the architecture, which is... Of course, when you look at it, it's the first thing we see. But it's interesting because when I started the process of writing the anthem, I wanted to know what happened in Chateau Frontenac. Because Chateau Frontenac is way more than a building. It has a lot of history. As you may know, it's where they made a lot of decisions for the Second World War. When the president, Roosevelt, met here. With Winston Churchill. Exactly. And Mackenzie King, the former prime minister of Canada. So it's one of the example. Also, Charlie Chaplin was coming in Chateau Frontenac and a lot of stories. And when you start digging, I was interested mostly about the human stories. And, and, and this is what inspired me. And also the story of Quebec, because Chateau Frontenac played a big role in Quebec City. It's still one of the most iconic also building of Canada. So when you listen to the anthem, you feel that even the First Nation at the beginning, and then it's an evolution. And of course, Quebec, as I say, it's such a beautiful place that everybody wanted it. <laughs> but when you're kind of thinking about it in your head, are you going, is it a timeline? Are you starting from as far back as you can trace with Frontenac and then working into today? How do you do that? Well, I first start with the spirit. What is the spirit of the Frontenac? And one of the most important aspects of Frontenac was Frontenac, the Chateau Frontenac, has been built by a railroad company. So it was built because it was a destination. The goal was to make people travel. 
And they said, okay, if we want to create an incentive, we need a destination. So it, it was mostly a project uh, motivated by the fact that the railroad company wanted people to move and to have a reason to move. So today we look at it as an iconic building, but at the end of the day, it was, first of all, it was mostly to encourage people in Canada to travel. So it was a resort. It was a, it was a tourist destination then. It was a touristic destination aimed at stimulate the economy of transportation, especially at that time was by train. You know, it was the best way to travel across the country. So when the anthem starts, you feel this kind of a train starting. And I wanted to link with the movement of a train who goes and goes and goes. And this is the main feeling that I wanted. And, and when you listen to it, you feel it's, it's in movement. It's not something that is, is at the one place. You feel you start like a journey and then it moves and you can feel this. I think that as a composer, my goal was to make the listener feel that there is a movement from the beginning to the end. And then, of course, the castle is the romance. It's a mix of explorers who try to conquer because that was the goal also of Quebec City and Chateau Frontenac to conquer in a way and also the romantic of a castle. So it's a balance of kind of romantic explorers. So this is the essence of uh, the Chateau Frontenac. Uh, what a great explanation. Thank you for that. So that said about the anthem to Frontenac, but let's talk about autumn in Quebec for a second. What was your inspiration for that? Obviously, you know, autumn is a beautiful time in Northeast United States and, and Canada. Yeah, what got you going with uh, autumn in Quebec? Autumn in Quebec is a piano solo music, very personal. And because of this proximity between the anthem as like 150 musicians, the Autumn in Quebec is a piano solo and it has this melancholic approach. And the music video, I wanted that you feel that I play from my background, my, my backyard. And I play like something I offer to the world in a very simplistic way. And it's why I, I basically decided, I just said, let's put the piano on the Dufresne terrace and let's film like if I would play in my own environment because it's connected to me. I mean, I'm, I'm from there. It's not like if I visit the country and I try to present the country. No, it, it's hometown. It's where I grow up. It's where I still live. So I wanted to reach this moment of autumn that is very melancholic, very personal. And it's why I did the video in a very, very, like, there's no artificial aspect to it. It's the beauty of the landscape. Anyway, it, it speaks by itself. When you are sitting there on the Dufresne Terrasse, you see it speaks. So we wanted to explore the view from the drone and to go with the beauty of the castle and the chateau and the river. So I would say that sometimes you don't need to put too much. You just do it. And this is what was behind. It really is stunning and beautiful. You guys did a beautiful job. Well, speaking of being a local and living in the old city, tell us what it's like to live in a 230-year-old home with, you know, cobblestone streets outside. And tell us a, a little bit about some of your favorite spots in the old city of Quebec. Well, the old city is a place you can live without a car, which is extremely rare in, let's say, in North America, where our model are more based on driving your car and uh, some uh, shopping malls and, and so on. So we have in Quebec that side of, of North America, which we like and we enjoy. But living in old Quebec is really like you don't need a car. I have one, but sometimes I, I, I lose it. <laughs> I don't know where my car is. <laughs> so we can uh, just go and walk and, and we have the best hotels around. We have a lot of good places, good restaurants. So you can walk and you can go, uh, you know, grocery stores. You go to the restaurants. It's like living in a beautiful European city. Without having the downside, I would say, because it's still a small city, it's still easy to access. And as you said, when you live in New York or in a big American city, you can feel like, OK, let's go for one weekend. You come here, it's, people speak French around you. It, it already creates something very different, let's say exotic, or you hear some people like me having an accent, which is also exotic. <laughs> so... This is what makes Quebec different. It's the fact that you don't need a car when you arrive here in the old Quebec. And the people are living the glass of wine in the afternoon, having this kind of laid back spirit. And it's actually for an artist, very inspiring. It's a very perfect scenario to compose, to write. 
And I would also say that the four seasons are very different, including winter. <laughs> that is extreme in a way. <laughs> it's but extreme. it's rare a place where you have four distinctive seasons. I mean, in summer, it can be extremely hot. It's, it's a real summer. We have the most amazing music festival, one of the best, I would say, in, in North America. And we also have this beautiful, colorful autumn and spring. Of course, spring is, is, is very intense because... We have the contrast. So spring is in, in between the hottest day and the coldest day. So it's actually a lovely place to live. And I had the choice to live in other places in the world, but I still come back to Quebec City because, you know, it's, a by, it's by choice. It's not because it's an obligation for me because I could live in other places. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Do you have a favorite restaurant that you like to go to? Well, there is a classic restaurant that actually Anthony Bourdain visited when he came to Quebec City, is the Continental. Le Continental is the most classical restaurant. If you want this French steak tartare, for example, and the service is quite old fashioned and people dress with the white jackets. And it's like the most traditional restaurant you can see, I think, one of the in North America, definitely one of the most classic. And they come to your table and they do the flambe with the fire. And most of the, the cuisine is cooked in front of you. And the Continental is definitely a good pick if you want this uh, traditional must-see restaurant. And the steak tartare is definitely, I think, one of the best I've had in my life. So if you go to Quebec City, steak tartare is something kind of a must-have. Is there any other like local delicacy that people should always have if they're going to visit Quebec City? Well, you have the lamb of Charlevoix. The lamb is also when it's well done and well prepared. We are fortunate to have access to the local farmers because we are kind of living in a small ecosystem, you know, the province of Quebec. So we have a lot of uh, producers of vegetables and from Charlevoix, a very, very nice region. And we have also some specialized junk food like called poutine. <laughs> poutine. Yes, we love poutine. Everybody knows poutine. And actually, it comes from Quebec, from the province of Quebec. Now it's called the Canadian meal. Of course, it's a famous, <laughs> but it started in, uh, it started actually in the province of Quebec. And I have a friend of mine who, who was the first entrepreneur to make the poutine more like on a large scale. It's called Ashton, the Shea Ashton Poutine. And he's a friend of mine. He's still around and he's still the owner of Ashton. Now he has, I think, 26 restaurants. So he's the only one who could compete with the biggest chain, as we know, like the biggest fast food of the world. He's still one of the strongest here in Quebec. Well, and for those of you that don't know what poutine is, it's gravy and cheese curds over French fries. So we definitely recommend it, but it is a meal. It is something you don't want to get it as it a side a, item. It is a big, big meal. And there's all types of poutine. There's, <laughs> right. If you can imagine it, there's a poutine of it, right? <laughs> and that, that's what's great about it. You go into different restaurants and they're, they have their own take on it. And we've really, really enjoyed over the years trying some really, really creative ones from poutine with duck, poutine with blue cheese, poutine with hamburger. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. We have this festival of poutine now every year. So every restaurant do its own poutine. I don't remember. I think it's in spring. I'm not sure about that. But uh, we use every restaurant, even though they were high-class restaurant, because Putin, let's be honest, it's mostly like a day-to-day -day food that we have late nights sometimes after going out. <laughs> it's great. It, it, yes, it's a great after-drink food for sure. Oh, uh, it's perfect. Or, yeah, pre-morning food. Pre-morning. <laughs> <laughs> so the, every restaurant, even though they are like five-star, more like high-class restaurant, they still do the Putin Festival. But they, of course, do it with foie gras and, you know, they put like a lot of high quality products inside. But I have also a recommendation of La Bouche. It means the log. It's right beside the Fairmont Frontenac. It's a specialized in a typical Quebec food and also with maple syrup. And because we know we have this maple syrup, Quebec is inspired by the First Nation cuisine. And it's actually the First Nation who created the maple syrup. And they have amazing food, like typical Quebec food with uh, oh, a fantastic. lot of stuff. It's called the log? It's called La Bouche. Okay, La Bouche. And the translation is the log, like uh, the log for the yeah. fireplace. Yeah. Okay. We'll definitely have to try that out. So, Steve, now, now let's go off food for a second because it is uh, a lunchtime, <laughs> lunchtime here and I haven't eaten yet. But 
In terms of an activity, for someone who doesn't know Quebec, what would you say, okay, when you come visit Quebec City, you have to do this? Well, you can do everything that if you want to do hiking, if you want to play golf, if you want to explore on so many sites like the mountains and the rivers and rafting, we have this because we are surrounded by nature. This is one of the main, I would say, what makes it special is you can spend three days in the urban old Quebec, let's say, and you can, in 20 minutes, you take your car and you're suddenly in the middle of a valley and you are in, in the Valley de la Jacques-Cartier Valley. And you can feel like it's amazing sceneries with the mountains and, and the rafting and hiking. But if you want to spend a few days just doing nothing, let's say you can do this in Quebec. You know, doing nothing is nice sometimes. Just sitting on a terrace, drinking a beautiful wine, having a, a nice environment around you. It's a very safe place. So I love Quebec because you can do many, many things if you want for three, four, five days. But you can also just like chill, enjoy, and it's just like being in, in a movie. You know, it's like, as you know, the Catch Me If You Can movie was shot right beside my house on the Place Royale. I don't know if you remember the last scene of Catch no, Me If I'm You gonna Can. No, but I'm going to go back and look at it now. When he got caught. Yes. When he got okay, caught in France. Okay, I remember France, that. Actually, he got caught is supposedly in France. Actually, it was shot in, actually, right beside my house. Are there a lot of movies shot? near you, where you live? We have a lot, but let's say that Catch Me If You Can probably been the most recognized or the most famous movie. We have also series from Asia. Uh, actually, we had the very big series, extremely popular in Asia, especially in South Korea, that was shot here in Quebec City. And, very, and, and actually, for the last few years, we had a lot of Koreans coming, especially to see the scenes of the movie. So we had oh, a few, fun. yes. That's great. So Steve, you've lived all over the world and we have our rapid fire questions for folks that are our guests of ours. And those are to give our listeners ideas from expert travelers like you about where to go, what to see and things that you've experienced. So you ready to uh, answer those questions for us? Of course. All right, here we go. So the first one is, is, have you ever completed anything on your personal bucket list? And if so, what was it? Well, my bucket list, I had to change the list on so many occasions because <laughs> <laughs> I started so early that my first dream was to play the piano, then to play with an orchestra. So I accomplished so much of my dreams that my challenge now is to find new dreams. Yes. But I have a new dream now. Uh, I have a new dream that I, I will share with you because it has to do with travels and wine. Okay. And I joined forces with the oldest winery producer in Lebanon because I'm originally from Lebanon, as I mentioned earlier, and we're going to create a new wine called Motherland. So this is one of the projects that I dream to one day to present to the world, a very nice, beautiful wine. And because I spent five months in Lebanon during the recent events, for all the spring, I spent five months. It wasn't a plan. So I could travel around Lebanon and I fell in love with the wine of Lebanon. You know, they have 300 days of sun per year. It's a very sunny country and they produce, I mean, a tremendous wine. And I fell in love with one of the wine. I went to Domaine de Tourelle, met the owner and said, let's create the most amazing wine. So this is on my new bucket list now and I'm oh, doing that's it. that's fantastic. Well, we will be on the lookout for it. Yeah. What type of wine? Well, it's a Cabernet and a Shiraz. It's a 50-50. We have the red one, the Grand Reserve. This is the one that, this is the keeper. That's the one you can keep for 10 years and it's for the connoisseur. And also we have a, a nice white rosé and white, of course. So we're going to have the full uh, complete collection. Oh, fantastic. If you want. When can our listeners look for that? In a few months. We're going to let Great. you know. Great. And uh, maybe we should do something special about Lebanon. There's so much to, to, to share. One of the most beautiful country. We will take you up on that and maybe we can get over there and even go to the winery. That'd be really nice. I'll be your host and we're going to welcome you at the vineyard with big pleasure. Uh, that'd be beautiful. All right. So next question, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Lebanon. Lebanon. <laughs> I knew that oh, was yes. coming. I knew that yeah. was coming. <laughs> yeah, because the last five months have been the most surprising time of my life. And I don't say it because I have my roots. I mean, my roots are from there. I just was so impressed and it's let's say we don't hear a lot about lebanon it's not a place we hear like italy and so many countries 
And having traveled so much, I could not express the beauty of it. It's just an amazing place. It's a beautiful cuisine. The weather is exceptional. You can ski in one day and go to the sea and swim in 45 minutes. I, you know, I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah. It's just amazing. We hear, unfortunately, about Lebanon sometimes. We know it's a country who had a lot of chaos in the last decade. And, you know, but when you look at it as it is, as a beauty, and the hospitality of the people, for me, it's just the most amazing country. Oh, what a great recommendation. Thank you. All right. And the next question, when packing for a trip, what is something you pack that might surprise our listeners? Okay. When I travel, you think I'm James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have all the devices. Like, I mean, if I lose my phone, I have like three backups. I don't know how many devices I have, but I have a lot of electronics. I'm just afraid that something would happen, like losing connections. I have backups on the cloud and everything is backed up. So I always have a B plan if something happens. So the, the amount of technology and is quite impressive. When I go to the customs, sometimes at the security, they say, are you normal or are you okay? I travel with a lot of stuff. Small, small, because I used to travel, I, I, I travel, not that, you know, I, I used to travel very light when I go for meetings, but the number of electronic is, let's say, a high ratio of what I bring. <laughs> do, you have a fa- do you have a favorite piece of electronic that you bring besides your phone? Chargers with batteries, a lot of backups, a lot of hard drives, because when I do music, I bring my files. Ah, gotcha. So you need hard drives. So I travel with heavy, like, uh, because I need like a uh, high definition files I carry with me because sometimes I start a production and I, let's say I visit five, six, seven countries because I record the music, let's say in Prague. And then I do the percussion in the Middle East and I do the string section somewhere else. Or So I need to bring these devices too for my work. So yeah, I bring a lot of gigabytes. <laughs> <laughs> and our last question for you, what is your most, and this is going to be a hard one for you since you live there, but what is your most memorable experience in Quebec City? Well, the anthem of Chateau, of Chateau Frontenac, the, the day we release it, the night was a magical night because it was the 125th anniversary. And we had the Quebec Symphony Orchestra in the ballroom. Oh, how beautiful. And to play an anthem in the location where it represents the, the Chateau and you see the people there, you feel the symphony orchestra that actually the Quebec Symphony Orchestra is the oldest symphony orchestra of Canada. And they used to perform in the ballroom because we didn't have a concert hall. They were they, quite an old orchestra. And when they started the orchestra, we didn't have a concert hall. So they, they were using the Frontenac to perform for their regular concerts. So we were there standing and we were playing the anthem in the exact location where so much stories happened. And the music was related, of course, to the own location. And we had amazing lighting we had amazing presentation on the walls of all the legends that were part oh, of, wow. of the story. Oh, wow. That must incredible. And we, uh, yeah, we started with a poem of Charlie Chaplin that it, is, it was one of the, his favorite poems. And it was very, uh, very, let's say, um, meaningful for the Quebec City people and for the people of Chateau Frontenac and for me as well. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your experiences and history of Quebec City with us. I can't think of a better guest to really communicate, especially someone that lives in a 230-year-old home. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today. Stephen, where can people find you? What are social media do you use? Are you on Instagram? Yes, all of them. And the official website is stevebarricat.com. This is one of the place, of course, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even just a Google search will probably lead to a, a lot of... Uh, yes. Well, thank you, Stephen. And we'll be sure we post those on our website as well. And I will be more than happy to be your host in Lebanon. I can connect you with that. the best of the best. We'll be calling yes. you for sure. Thank you, Definitely. Stephen. I love that idea. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Gosh, that was great. Steve was fantastic. And just in addition to being a world-renowned talent, he's just a super nice guy. And I could have talked to him all day. And I just love that he lives in the the wall of the city and the walls in his house are over 230 years old. I bet it gets cold there. I bet they have to have fires going all the time. 
Well, you know, I kept thinking, I was like, we probably walked by his house I'm a sure, couple of times sure. while we were there. I just didn't even realize it. But next time I'll be listening for the piano coming out of the windows. <laughs> so, you know, Quebec City is one of those four season cities that we talk about so often that you can do something each time of year and go there anytime and have a great time. I want to go for the Winter Carnival. I just think that's one of those bucket list items. You're staying at the Chateau Frontenac and you can walk out to this beautiful carnival that has all these great activities to do in a beautiful white scenery and view. It would just be incredible. So that is definitely one, something that I want to put on my bucket list and make sure that we that we get to because we went in the summertime and we did all the summer things, but the winter is just a great time to be there. Yeah. You know, I keep thinking like, you know, this winter wonderland kind of total fairy yeah. tale setting, you know, you've got the castle in the background. And one thing I'd like to find out is if they do Christmas markets there, you know, like they do in Europe and many of the European cities. I'm but sure they do. I think that would be a, yeah, just a, a great trip. The one thing, again, you know, it's in my head and I can't get it out are those, those train rides, you know, every time I've been on a train through scenic, you know, that has just these vistas of nature and trees and mountains. It's so memorable. But I think that one from Quebec and Charlevoix around the region would be absolutely amazing. Awesome. And I think the last thing for me is I definitely want to go see these gardens. It's the Gardens of the Four Winds. So you can look it up online. It's uh, 25 little individual gardens that are almost have rooms. And there's a, there's a Chinese garden. There's a uh, traditional English garden. And it's done over 20 acres. And it's supposed to be pretty impactful and life-changing when you see it. And it's only open, I think, one weekend a year. So you have to plan for it. So look up the Garden of War Winds, which is about 90 miles outside of Quebec City. Well, and then my last one, I'll take the last one and then take us out. But, you know, since we got there and I saw all the staging set up for this music festival and we were actually on the back end of it. So we missed it. You know, we saw the fun that they had because it was still all over the place. But the Festival d'Ete de Quebec that is in July, I would love to go to that sometime and just go stage hopping and have a great time. You know, the weather is perfect. So sounds like we need to definitely get back there. There's so much to do. Without a doubt. So that said, Quebec, we will see you again soon. We look forward to it. We would like to thank you guys for listening to this edition of Destination Everywhere. We'd also like to thank members of our team. We have Chris Jordan, who is our copywriter, Guy Quattlebaum, our content developer, Annie Fernandez, a creative director, and the amazing Laurel Campbell, who is our podcast producer. So please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast app or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. So we look forward to taking you on our next destination next time on Destination Everywhere. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit destination-everywhere.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.